Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk about... Um, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about it, unfortunately. Manchester City 6, Manchester United 3. If you're watching the video, please like and subscribe. Um, I know it's going to be a tough one to get through. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. And if you're watching on the replay, say hello. Feel free to comment. We do reply to the, the um, comments that we get. Paul, um, I don't even know. Before we begin, how are you doing? How was your weekend apart from Manchester United's performance? No, it was, it was okay. No, nothing really different. I was at London Stadium just to, just to watch West Ham v Wolves and just knowing what knowing finding out a little bit before and speaking to people from Wolverhampton Wanderers is that I you know I I knew before the game that there was going to be a change I knew that um there was a lot of you know people just who weren't happy with the way things were the football yeah. they were saying was disappointing um they said there was issues going on around the training ground what what was being delivered there you know he wasn't going he wasn't going to last and that performance from Wolves and when you're playing Ruben Neves as a sweeper and you're still losing a game 1-0 yeah. there's a problem and he played 90 odd minutes as a sweeper still maybe one of their best players looking making a job look so easy as a sweeper and you don't push him on then you know there's a problem yeah yeah um, and yeah the Manager was sacked and Wolves are looking for a new man. Um, there seems to be a few of them. Middlesbrough sacked Chris Wilder this morning. So um, it's it's always that sort of early October sweep of the brush, isn't it? <laughs> you see a few mm. managers get the axe. Um, there'll be a lot of pressure on Eric Tenog this morning, uh, for sure. Like I said, 6-3, the derby. At one point, it was 6-1. And there was another point in the game where I felt like it was going to be 8-9-1. And not six three, so if you to ask me how I feel this morning, I feel more like I watched a, an eight or nine one loss rather than I did watch a six three loss. I, I wasn't comforted by the the late goals by uh, Martial for sure. I I don't think I'm catastrophizing there, Paul. By when, when I'm saying like it could have been eight or nine, because if you'd have said to me at six one, City need to score <clears throat> three more times to win the title on goal difference, I think they, they could have done it with ease. Mm. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, we'll talk about the selection. We'll talk about the players in a moment and, and the manager. But the, the summary of the game, Paul, I mean, I think the scale of the defeat says, you know, a lot of people could say United were a bit ring rusty. They hadn't played a league game for a month. It might have played a part in the slow start, but I, I don't think you can put it down to that. It was just a, a very, very bad day, wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with it. It was so bad. It was. It was it. It was poor. From the moment the game kicked off, <laughs> you could see United allowed City to have the ball, which you just can't do because they just picked up momentum and then got quicker and quicker. And then all of a sudden, they started to progress more forward, doing all their work in the final third. <clears throat> Dallow, always always odds on to get the first booking. Um, stupid, stupid challenge he done on Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish was going nowhere. He allowed him to run and he didn't want to do his work in it and it cost him a booking so that affected him um and all of a sudden he gave Grealish encouragement I mean Grealish I think that's his best I would say that was his best 45 minutes for City yeah you know where before he hasn't really done anything and Dallow 
has been playing playing very well. Yeah. Scored two, saw him score two goals for his country while he was away, and you think he'll come back on a bit of a high. And he's always the one. Whenever I I do games as I did yesterday, I talk about Dallo. I said he's doing well, but the problem is he gets too emotional and he gets too petulant. He thinks he has to keep winning the ball to be a good defender. If I was talking to, talking about a 15, 16-year-old, I suppose I'd accept it easier that he can see that enthusiasm, but not someone who's, I'm going to say, an established now right-back of Manchester United and a right-back for his national team. You'd expect a little bit more. But what what United, what happened to United in 6-3 was massively flattering, to be perfectly honest. City come out in the second half. I expected them to really go for it. But I think they come out like a, like any team would do. You're 4-0 up at half-time. It's very, very difficult to to get the players going again. Best yeah. managers in the world, one, as you see in Pep, still struggle to get them going. When they went in their little bits, you still saw how good they were. But I, people will come out and say, oh, I read something today on Twitter and someone will come out and say, I was happy what I saw with United, what they'd done in the second half. It's said that, that we're not as far away as what... <clears throat> You know, as what we were before, and I think myself, well, if you're not going to get a second half performance with a little bit of gut, passion, drive, and pride, then you you haven't you definitely got the wrong players if you're four 0 down. Yeah, if you can't come out in the second half, and the saying is in within football, if your manager will think in his head if he's three, four, five down at half time, he will come out. He will be virtually saying to the players what he said to them. We'll take nil nil. Yeah. We don't concede another goal. Yeah. And the manager's saying it as players you don't want to concede anymore. So so anybody who's living off that second half performance, please don't. Because it because it's there. It should be that's imprinted. It's not not down on a bit of paper, but you expect players to have pride when yeah. they go out in that in that situation. Sometimes as we see the United of old, they've come back. You know, United of yesteryear would have come back. Sometimes from being in that position under Oli, United were coming back from 2 0 down. Yeah. And that was more down to the actual attitude of the players, which got found out after after that's after all those kind of results. So there's still a long way to go. I think he suddenly seeing now really that the players who were playing involved in that four game, or I should say the four Premier League unbeaten run, um, or four and the bounce, the wins. They're still they're still not up to it. They're they're miles away from it. They're the ones they need replacing, without a doubt. And it isn't, it isn't reactive on my side of my part, I should say, of seeing watching that game yesterday. It's just the fact it's always been there, and it's amazing what winning games what it can actually hide. Yeah, winning yeah. games of football, as the saying goes, it papers over the cracks, yeah. and it's been it's been papering over. McTominay and a hundred percent papering over Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, absolutely. And when you go to a game up against a high-caliber team, and you look at his quality, then you look at what City of their quality. You know, at the end of the day, he's not Manchester United. Without a shadow of a doubt, he is not Manchester United. He came to United, and he made a big, big difference in the lockdown league. No crowds around. Nothing to affect him emotionally, you know, empty stands. And the moment says he's got into stadiums with fans in, 
He's not the same player. And, uh, and I'll say it again, I can see why he's been in Portugal for so, for so long. I see it now. He's gone away on a couple of occasions, come straight back. And I think there's reasons why. And Michael Oliver done the best thing. And maybe other referees will see it now. He booked him. He booked him because of his tantrum. Yeah. When he was totally, totally wrong, he was nowhere near right with what he was screaming about. And Michael Oliver didn't even bother going to speak to him. He just put his card up and just said, have that and every right to do it to him. And that's yeah. the captain of Manchester United. Yeah, no, um, I can't can't really argue with that. I mean, look, when the defeat is so heavy, you you look at three things. I'll come to the um, the comments first. Patrick has, has put three comments in, so I'm going to read them. Patrick said, "Morning, guys. A heavy derby day defeat. City are obviously ahead of us with their setup, style of play, coaching, and confidence. Going to take a year or so to go toe to toe on our terms. We had clear limitations with confidence on the ball in midfield and attack." So we never gave ourselves an opportunity to stay in the game in the first half. I hate to pick out names, but McTominay, Bruno, Rashford and Sancho don't give us a chance to have some care and cuteness with the ball against a really good team, albeit we worked hard against Liverpool. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is a, a point, right? So when, when a defeat is that heavy, Paul, uh, you do look at it and you say, all right, City played well. They can't say that they didn't play well. But from a United perspective, you have to put it on the players or the manager. And if you're going to start saying a lot of these players are not up to it, then that's obviously a massive red flag and a massive concern. And you mentioned the the, the run of results, and we did see good showings against Liverpool, and we did see a, a decent performance against Arsenal. But uh, all you know, we should also concede that Arsenal probably deserved something from the game, but there were still better performances. Um, I, don't, I really don't know how to sort of summarise what happened because in defence, you had the first time any of those that had played in a, parallel, uh, in a derby, apparently, especially as a collective, that's never happened. Um, in, the mid, in the midfield, you know, McTominay and Fred, they've been picked to play that role against City for a purpose in, in the in the um, last sort of three or four years. And then that's the, the knock-on question from that is, can you play Bruno and Eriksen in this um, in the same team against City, can you play? And not even, I don't want to sound like I'm digging out Ericsson because he was probably the calmest on the ball, but Bruno and McTominay on really stronger rhythmic possession. They're not going to be the players who are going to keep hold of the ball for you. You know, Fernandez will take the gamble with the pass, and McTominay just, you know, we've seen that he's got strengths because he's shown them in the last few games, but in a game like this, you would put him alongside Fred. Um, can you play Sancho and Rashford, who are too passive? You know, they're not, you know, you need to, you know, City, if they've got vulnerabilities, it's in the back line. So you're going to need attackers to be hungry and wanting to, you know, cause those errors and force those mistakes. And they, they weren't doing that. And if you need players like that, you're going to need more assurance, more aggression, more self-confidence. We were talking last week, Paul, about this. And, you know, I understand why he didn't start Casemiro. But I wonder, you know, considering what happened against Brentford, considering what happened against Brighton, was there not a point, a point of him where he looked back and said, all right, well, let's look at the qualities that we've got in the squad. Let's look at the results that we've had over the last two or three years. Look how we achieved those results. Like, you know, we, he would have seen that under Solskjaer, we had a good run of results against um, City. So why didn't he look at the, the squad and say, all right, this is the kind of combination of players that you need, you know, because all right, we looked at Brentford and Brighton and they 
obviously caught Tenog by surprise. This is, I think, it's the first time he's come up against City, Guardiola's City. And all right, he, he's seen Guardiola work at close quarters with Bayern Munich, but that was with the, you know, I know Bayern have got the greatest resources in Germany, but he's still the, the resources of a football club. Whereas City have got, they're a different behemoth in terms of what resources they've got. They they can facilitate the eradication of mistakes in a single transfer window, whereas, you know, Bayern, even Bayern couldn't do that. So you've seen Guardiola's style of football as perfect as it, it can be, as dominating as it's going to be. Um, I'm just wondering, <coughs> was there no point, do you think that Tenag should have looked back at the, the, the I'm not saying Solskjaer was perfect, he, he most obviously was not, but the tactics that he got against City were generally decent for, for the squad with the limitations that we've got. And I wonder why he didn't look at that and just think, do you know what? Yeah, playing a midfield where it has got one player and it was comfortable on sort so keeping possession of the ball and and two who were just going to give it away is not, you know, it's not a, a good game plan when you've got two forwards who are not confident on, you know, like Rashford and Sancho were, were not any confident enough to run it. So it's like, it was almost like he, he picked the worst combinations of players for the game that we had. I would, I'd imagine, because I think he's quite astute and everything, that he would have seen those games. But I don't. I, sometimes, I mean, people still talk about Oli and going to <clears throat> play against City. I don't know if he, a little bit. There must have been, excuse me, <clears throat> a little bit of um, good fortune there as well. Yeah, I was there on a couple of occasions at the Etihad when the wins. The League Cup and yeah, was was it a League Cup game or FA Cup? Something. There was a cup game there, League and League. then I saw the the one where Martial scored that one at the near post. I think that was that must have been about what eight um, season twenty eighteen nineteen. I think it was, and he scored that when he scored. I think the winning goal at the near post against Edison <clears throat> at the opposite end to where the way supporters are, and he would have looked to that, and then he would have seen the players that he had available. He would have. He would have gone with the performances. He would have turned around about trusting them. He would have then said about gaining their trust. And he would, he would have said, I'm sticking by you in a big game. This is what Manchester United thrives on, big games. Um, you look at, you've got your big players. And they let him down, to be perfectly honest. I've been reading for the last two weeks all about the reasons why Sancho... <clears throat> should feel hard done by he wasn't in the England squads. And I'm um, <clears throat> reading a little bit, if Rashford was fit, you know, would he have been there or sh he should have been there? I'm seeing that Rashford won um, Player of the Month mm. and I'm kind of chuckling because I, I really don't understand it. Rashford and Sancho have been poor. They've been poor all season. And what's kept them in people's head is they've scored, they've scored goals. In, in big games for Manchester United, Arsenal and Liverpool games. But if someone was to watch the night, all the minutes they've played so far this season, they'll, they'll be they'll actually saying to themselves, no, they don't deserve to be playing for their national team. It's amazing how goal, when you score a goal, suddenly you put on rose-tinted glasses and you forget everything prior to the goal and then after the goal. And you just, the player lives off, lives off of goals. Marcus Rashford, he was poor. He was seriously poor again. Every time he, he was centre forward and he kept giving the ball away, he wasn't holding the play up. He, yeah. he, he, wasn't, he wasn't even closing down. He was jogging around. 
it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Marcus Rashford is as much a goal, sorry, a centre forward as I am a goalkeeper, to be perfectly honest. And that's at 58 years of age. And I think I'd be, I think I could still want to be a better goalkeeper. I might be able to stop the ball. Be a bit worried about being chipped though. But it's just, it's, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. His performance, Sancho, terrible. Never done anything positive at all, those two, in what we were seeing. So, and then we, t when you look at it, the one player who I would like to have seen on that pitch would have been Fred. Yeah. Just for the fact of he can get around a park. He's athletic. Um, he's industrious and he's tenacious. So City would not have passed the ball that easy if he was in there. They might have, He might have held him up for a a split second to affect him not to knock a pass in between <clears throat> Dallo and Varane. Yeah. And little bits like that, he might have done it. I think I don't think Scott McTominay really made a, a challenge in the game. He ran around as he does. You know, he runs around six foot three and runs around his height, never drops down and tries to move his feet quicker. It's very it's just slow and ponderous. You wanted someone in there tenacious and I could understand if he'd have left Scott McTominay and bring in Fred or if he didn't play Fernandes and played Fred in there with Ericsson. But just mm. somebody who was just going to go out there and be brave and nothing phases Fred, to be honest. He's the first person everyone has a go at, yeah. without doubt. But he's the one that you know you're going to get something something positive, positive out of him in the big games because he treats every game the same. Yeah. And in a game like that, you just know you're... you're you know, say Fred, win it and give it. And he'll be the best around because of the way he is. And he's honest. He has a shot at goal, which Edison saves. And then that's when, that's, was that when um, Martial oh, comes in? Yeah. And he's there. He's, he's around there. He's busy. He can, he can get from one end to the other. Can you remember yeah. those midfield players? You used, used to call it box to box, which everyone's... Those kind of players who are willing to run, not these ones who want to be a CDM and look at me, I'm sitting here in the safe zone. Fred's willing to go in now. And he's not and if he makes a mistake, he'll go and do it again and see if he can make it get the right decision to make it better. He's the kind of players that Manchester United need. And hopefully Ten Hag will see that. He will see that at the end of the day is that uh, Scott McTominay, everyone's saying he's done well, he deserves to be there. I suppose he does, but if you want to step on, you need to look beyond him and you think of best, better ways to get beyond him. Casemiro comes on a sub. Whenever he comes a, on a sub, it looks like he hasn't washed his feet for a year. It takes him that long, <clears throat> that long to get himself going. He looks scruffy when he comes on. He may be not the best at warming up as a sub. But you get him into a game early, then you might find that there's something there. At the moment, people are going, oh, I'm not sure we've wasted money there. As that game went on yesterday, you could see him getting better and more, and just getting feel his way into it. Now he needs to start in the game. He needs to start, and he needs to look at his midfield. Yeah. What is going to be the midfield that can take Manchester United forward? Not to catch City this season. Forget about that. It's about can Manchester United and seeing that Liverpool have taken a step back, the way they've kind of conducted themselves over the last few seasons with what they've done. They've had a massive surge, but they haven't gone with the future. That's why they're finding problems now within it is that they, they haven't built a little bit within to take them to the next stage to compete again to win the Premier League at this moment in time. That's the bit that's caught them out. They haven't 
well, at the moment, they're just struggling to get any momentum at all in their play or results. But United can still do it. They've got Casemiro sitting on the bench. They've got Fred, who can't get there. That's where, that's where the problem is still in midfield. That is the biggest problem still with Manchester United. Something that he can deal with, because there's two players on that bench he can use. The, the biggest problem he can't really deal with, because he hasn't got the personnel to do with it. And that is the attacking side of it. Anthony, in the second half, I would say, was United's best player. Yeah, he was brave at both brave at both ends. In the first half, it t- took him fifteen minutes to get a touch of the ball. Yeah, but he, he never went missing. Yeah, and, that's, and I turn around and always say, because I remember Sir Alex saying it about big players. He said, "You look for big players to perform in your big games. If they don't perform in your big games, then then they're not the right players." Yeah, no, he was. That's, um... what, he, that's what he said. We had that conversation last week. I remember when I was saying like one of my little minor concerns was that I'd not seen a lot of him make a, a stamp his authority on the game, but to have the confidence to score the goal in which he did, this sort of allayed those fears somewhat. Uh, it was a great goal. So he joins the, um, the names of Mark Hughes and Darren Fletcher to score memorable goals in games you'd much rather forget against Manchester City. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you're dead on with everything he said. And Casemiro, we, again, the conversations that we've had in, in previous podcasts about this, you can understand why he's sort of been... If you'd have put him in from the start, yeah, now in hindsight, it looks like it might have had a better effect. But you can sort of understand why he didn't because of, like, you know, it's a, a big game and, you know, like, it took Anthony 15 minutes to sort of get his... to sort of know where he was. 15 minutes, the game was already up for United. So if you'd had Casemiro in that... So I'm not. I'm a bit unsure on this Ronaldo stuff. You know, he didn't bring Ronaldo on because of, you know, he said that it, because of the career that he's had. And I can sort of understand it was six-one. You're not going to bring him on because all the headlines are going to be pictures of Ronaldo and everything like that. It doesn't do anyone any favors. And still, is the the lingering conversation about whether or not um, the the death of his his child is still affecting him. I, I read some things about that recently. Don't want to underestimate that. No, do I want to sort of start giving excuses for a supreme sports member. There's a lot of psychological things in there and you'd be looking at it forward going Casemiro and Ronaldo are probably going to get more minutes for sure, regardless of the games, because of the fact that the other players... um, And Anthony obviously made a good impression. I want to just have a a quick word on say Holland, unbelievable. Foden, (coughs) uh, an incredible talent. Holland has really transformed this Manchester City side. And I'm just wondering, Paul, I mean... Everyone seems to be rejoicing in it. You hear Martin Tyler on commentary for Sky yesterday, and he was buzzing. He was buzzing because City were battering United. And everyone seems, you know, they're going to enjoy that at the moment. I wonder if a game like that's going to be a bit of a watershed moment for British football because they're going to do that to most teams, not just United. And they are doing it to most teams, especially with City, uh, with, with Ireland in the team, because Haaland has transformed the way that Guardiola plays. You know, this is a man who's famed for having the same system, but now he knows he's got Holland in there. It's just crosses all the time, which is tells you a lot about tiki-taka football and his belief in a philosophy. But they are, just, quick, just quickly, Wayne, but they're crossing and they're, they're hitting individuals yeah. rather than cr- crossing, just percentage crossing. It's not just that in hope. They're oh, no, yeah. this precision. <laughs> They're, they're, yeah, because they've got the best in the business of that. They've got De Bruyne, they've got Silva, Grealish is a great deliverer of the ball, so they've got all, all the right sort of tools to be able to do that as well. Marez is another one. 
so they are going to do that. And when you've got a striker like Orland, who's like, he's going to go down as one of the best ever for sure, one of the best in Premier League history. You can say that as a cast iron um, guarantee. They are going to do that to most teams. And you look at the league, and you know, it's I know I'm going to have to wash my mouth out after saying this, but the league has pretty much been fairly lucky that Liverpool have had consistency in the poor league because they've made it look competitive for three or four years, and it's really not. I mean, they've been good enough to develop that consistency to batter uh, or to run roughshod over the worst teams in the league. And it made it look like, oh, it's really competitive, the top two, and it really isn't. And now you see Liverpool dropping off and you see one team, um, it's a grotesque advantage that they've got. And I wonder how many people, how many years people are going to look at this and say, this isn't great to watch anymore. It's not, you know, it's not beautiful football. It's a result of massive financial injection and it's pretty much unsustainable for the league. I mean, even the City fans, they were 4-0 up, 5-1 up and the crowd was flat didn't mean anything to him. And, like, I mean, really, there's no, like, um, it's no watershed moment in British football in terms of, oh, that's a, a massive p- performance and everything like that. You know, that City can do that. It's, it's not surprising that they put four or five, six past us in, in a depressing way, but not for the reason, like, they think it is, like, it's a result of beautiful football. And, yeah, they're all crowing about it now, but do you think that it might be a result that sort of changes the way that people look at the way that City do things? Because... You know, there's there's beautiful football and there's winning trophies and then there's ruining the league, which is looking like it's going to do. I mean, you put Ireland into that team and, yeah, every team buys players and, you know, that's part of the process. But you've now seen the result of sort of 14, 15 years of City doing this to the league and it was always going to end up this way. Um, do you think that it might sort of provoke something of a backlash? I mean, I'm not talking this result, but I'm talking like these kind of results in like two or three years, people are going to look at it and say, you know, call it for what it is, basically, instead of just saying, oh, this is the best team that we've ever seen. I don't think you can come out. And, I think it's an easy thing to say that. when Everything at the moment, because of where we are, every, everything's the best. Oh, well, they, he's the best there, he's the best there. And we can forget him what we're putting the past behind too quick. Five years is the past now, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's the way it's become. But... What you're saying now, I, I get where you're going. <laughs> I fully understand it. It's not, you know, sometimes we like to see things built. We know that money always helps, but it's just about the way the way it's been it's been done. But it's going to be. I mean, if if we if we're going to judge it against anything, I think we have to judge it against maybe the German league, and it isn't going to change, is it? Really, the German league hasn't changed for years. The weight could with Bayern Munich strength it hasn't changed. They're going out and getting these kind of results. The only team at one point who would compete with them was um, Dortmund. I think when Klopp was there, I mean, there's always a team. But I mean, they they sometimes went and played up, played in that, played that, played against them, and they would get beat five. And that yeah. was a team that's supposed to be competing with Bayern. So it's, yeah. it's been happening for a while, quite a while in German football already, and it's it's happening here to a point. Yes, you're right. It's lucky that Liverpool had a go last season. And they're tailed off, and there's no one else around at the moment who's going to get anywhere near them at the moment. So there is a, there is a problem, but it ain't going to, it isn't going to change because there's too many people earning money out of it, Wayne. Yeah. Too many people earning money out of it. So as much as we, as much as not we, yeah, I definitely want a competitive league because everyone says they're the greatest ever, 
And I always turn around and say, Manchester United, <clears throat> when when we won the first Premier League, it was competitive, right the way to the world. When we won the second one, it was really it was competitive. And when the even to the in ninety five ninety six, it was competitive. Yeah, always competitive. And that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants it that way. No one wants to see someone just run away with it and then having to talk about the rest of it. And, you know, so getting 90-odd points or even 100 points doesn't make you the greatest team ever. It gives you the greatest amount of points, but it doesn't make you the greatest team. Yeah. No, Nowhere near that. And as Roy said to the point, it, the points are never on the back. Never puts your points on the back of a medal. Yeah. It's never there. So when um, when I see people saying, oh, United only got 70, 80 points when they won this and won that, that means the league was good and everyone was desperately trying to beat Manchester United. They hadn't given up when they turned up in the coach and go, we're not going to win here. So, um, so no, I mean, it's going to go on. We've got, we've got to accept it. I don't think there'll be a change at City until at some point Pep Guardiola moves on and then, and then there will be a change. Yeah. Um... Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere until he's won one or two European Cups because he's going to want that legacy. Ajmal says hello, good evening. Good evening wherever you are, mate. I hope you're well. Um, looking for some crumb of positivity. I mean, Liverpool, like we mentioned, they're, they're a team who've gone through that transition. They challenged for the title in 2014. Then they lost 6-1 to Stoke and they got a new manager and it still took them three, four or five years to develop that sort of consistency. And that was the value of patience, support, the length of time that it takes to sort of put you back into a project like the one that Klopp had. And, you know, he's got to keep banging that drum as we have done for the three and a half years we've been doing this podcast uh, together. You've got to note that period of time because no manager has had that long since Ferguson. Like they all get jacked at like three years. That's it. And you know there will be more defeats. There'll probably be more embarrassing defeats. But those lessons will have to be learned by the players and by the manager. He, you know, you can look at that and say, "Oh, that midfield didn't work," and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt this time. But it's going to have to be better in the next game. He's going to have to have a, a better plan. Like the likes of Dallo, like now he's had, he's having a the greatest spell of his United career and he's had a massive setback and now you're going to give him this chance to respond. That's what we do as supporters and as a club. And then you're going to see whether or not he's got the, the fortitude that it takes to play for United. Um, I feel like I've not given enough credit to Anthony for his incredible goal. So um, I would say, you know, take something to to come out of nine goals and you've scored the best goal in the game and, and you know, barely anyone's ever talking about it. But he said it was a big thing for him. And like you said, he didn't go missing when the excuse was there to go missing. You know, that when we've seen that, by the way, we did see that last season. And if there's one crumb of comfort, it's again that I'm not saying we were massively improved in the second half because defensively we were we were very poor. But obviously we had a bit of a go at them. And yes, the, the two late goals were kind of given to us. But I would still say at least that's Tenog addressing the flaws as much as he could in a single game and, and going for it in the way that he did. Um, uh, so anyway, let's move on to talk about the other two games that United will be playing before we talk again next. Ammonia, um, they've had a difficult start in the Europa League. They've had a mixed start in their own domestic league as well. In the 80s, Paul, um, they were the most successful team in Cyprus. Most recently, they've had Henning Berg as their manager, obviously known to everyone 
watching and listening to this before Neil Lennon took over earlier this year. Um, the start of this season, they've won three and lost two in the league. They've lost both of their Europa games. Got battered off Sheriff, I, I seem to remember. I think it was by three goals. A couple of familiar names in the squad, one of them being Adam Matthews, the former Celtic and Sunderland defender, um, playing away on, on Thursday night, Thursday evening, I should say, Thursday afternoon, 5.45 kickoff again. Um, unpredictable. It's a long travel for United. You know, you, you don't have to sort of it's a catch 22 because now this is a, a run of games where they all come in Thursday and Sunday, you know, before he, he was able to pick a, a strong side and it won fairly comfortably in, in Moldova. You would probably presume, without wanting to be too disrespectful to Ammonia, that he's got the ability in there to make one or two different changes. And yet, I know we've got Everton and we'll talk about them in a moment, but you kind of want to see a couple of changes to have a bit of a reaction in there because United and now um, it's not just about reaction in terms of results. They're going to have to start putting in some performances, aren't they? And that's going to have to start with the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, he has to take this game a little bit more serious now. And the fact that we, you know, got a, it was diff- a difficult start, but in the end it finished off a good performance in the previous p- previous game in Europa League. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> this one coming up, it, it should um, the scoreline did flatter did flatter the team that Ammonia played against. I have to say, United wiped the floor of them in the end. It should, maybe should have been more. But yeah. this game is even harder because, not so, it's not so much harder, but this team, majority of their supporters support Manchester United anyway. Yeah. As a good friend has already told me, he goes, there'll be so many United fans in there, he said, it'll be ridiculous. But they're going to want to make a mark. Neil Lennon's going to want to make a mark and remind people that he's still out there. So, you know, as far as he's going to be really pushing them to make a mark in this game. And so it's just about United, again, going through what they did in the last game, sorting themselves out with a pitch, as what they did before when they was there um, in their previous game. Here it's going to be about the way the players are going to be going at them. You've got the mental side of the players playing now. They're going, to go in there as well. They've got to deal with that. And if they can get through that first 15, 20 minutes without really giving them a sniff or any, any encouragement, they should cruise this game. Yeah. And then that make them, that will put them in a better mode than what they what they were previously after what's happened yesterday. And that's, that's the bit that Ten Hag has to do. <clears throat> the changes, what he's going to do, yes, he, he might, he should maybe make changes, but it's about what's going to be the right changes is it right to bring in Ronaldo now after what happened at the weekend? What's his mindset going to be about? He's, he's mostly heard what people have been saying. He's read what people have been saying. Does he really want to go out there and prove a point or is he just going to shrug his shoulders and not really try as such? I don't know. Mar- <clears throat> I'm looking at Martial needs a run out now. Yeah. So I'd, somewhere along the line, I think he has to start a game. Has to start a game. And then you're looking at Rashford and Sancho, two players who don't really deserve to be starting. Got to look at maybe one of them might start or he might even start with a younger player and see what he gets there. Maybe just to maybe just been sitting around on a bench a while, maybe just give one of the younger players a start just to send that little bit of belief within the squad. The younger players within the squad know there's a chance of them. You know, if if they hang in there and keep doing it right. But as well, more importantly, to the fans as well, so they can see that he's he's willing to look at the young players now and 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 prove their point. Looking what might be happening 
as the season goes on with younger players coming through and looking towards next season as well. So there is a lot of questions <laughs> that that there for the for the next game. People say, you know, it's an easy one. It is in certain ways on paper, but for the manager, it's a difficult one because he's got to make the right choices. And yeah. it isn't about the, the football side of it. It's about what's in the player's head. I mean, at half-time, he brought on Luke Shaw. I think Malassia was um, a little bit mentally tired in his way because of played in two big internationals. Got to remember, yeah. as a young boy, I think he had a, there was an issue issue with um, El, El, um, Louis Van Gaal. I yeah. think they, they kept piping up, so that that might have been on his mind. But I remember I remember Evra going into a Manchester derby and having an absolute nightmare. Yeah, he had a terrible time, and you look look at the level he got to. So yeah. Malassia, you saw what we've seen, what we've seen before. He had that moment. Um, he brings on Luke Shaw. He might stick with that until the Everton game. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Lindelof will stay in now, won't he? Yeah, he will stay in. Um, I don't think we can judge Lindelof off of what happened there. I thought he did all right, to be honest. I wouldn't. I can't see anything sticking out. Rafa quarter. That was that was terrible. So he's got an opportunity to go and go and play a game of football as well midweek and maybe at the weekend as well. Yeah, no, most certainly you're right. I mean, that's a, a thing that we didn't see a lot last season with Ragnik, and one of the things that really frustrated a lot of people was. Um, when we'd be defeated heavily the next week, the exact same team would start. At least he's got options in the team with the players that he's bought and the youngsters around the squad. Um, that you would think that you know, like possibly Alanga, possibly Garnacho will get minutes on Thursday night. Um, we'll see how that goes. And it, you know, all right, the jury's still out on Alanga, but um, to give him a little bit of a run will give him confidence. Um, and let him know that he's in the mix for that and let the senior players know that they're not necessarily guaranteed a place just because they scored a couple of goals. Um, the standard has to be better. They all know that at the moment. Um, big test next week. Absolutely bizarre time. Everton, 7pm on a Sunday night. Um, it'll barely have finished by the time that we're recording the podcast. So um, Lampard, um, you know, he was odds on at one point, Paul, to be the next manager sites, but at the moment people seem to be warming to him again, you know, it's a bit of, you know, up and down with him. A bad time for United because Everton have picked up on the form, so you might say it's a bad time to be going to Goodison because their confidence is on the, the up, but maybe a good time as well because you go in there, it's a weird kickoff time. The crowd will definitely be up for it in a way that they probably even weren't at City. So the atmosphere is going to be there for the United players to sort of, you know, to be stung and come out and do something. Um, you know, you're going to want to see something from the from the off. A, a massive reaction, yeah, on Thursday, but definitely on Sunday. So um, how do you see that one going? Everton, one of those games that we don't know. Generally, generally, United always win. I think they've won, you know, they do generally win that one. Goodison seems to be the place at the moment where they don't it want is it. Good, it is Goodison we're playing at. Oh, oh blooming up. I thought it was a home game. No, no. Christ almighty, wake up, Paul. I just, just off the back of it being away, I just assumed it's away. I haven't even looked at it, to be perfectly honest. No, right. No. But, well, we, at the moment, they're not scoring a lot of goals, Everton. They're not exciting. And being at home and the way the fans have decided the way they're going, they're going they're going very partisan to every single game. They're contesting, they're contesting every challenge. 
they're, you know, they're telling the referee what's a foul, what's not a foul. Everything is is very, very hostile at the moment at Goodison. That's the way they've gone and they've made it very, very difficult. It's not the most exciting football you're going to see at Everton at the moment. And Frank's having to maybe at this moment, he's brought in certain players, but he's still dealing with the fact of what's happened over previous seasons with previous managers. Yeah. Lots of managers for Everton anyway. So I you know, I look at this game as, you know, just well, more important than the last Premier League game because they can't afford to lose. You yeah. can't just suddenly go and do what they've done with four games and suddenly go and lose your next two. Yeah. You just you just can't do it. To lose to City then to lose to Everton as well isn't away from home, isn't really good. At this moment in time, it's what it's not what's needed. Ten Hag doesn't need that because because all of a sudden he'll be under he'll be under even more scrutiny than what he is now. If they were to go to Everton, Frank Everton will be on a high. Is it seven games unbeaten now, Everton? It's a good uh, run, definitely yeah. a good run. Good run, not the most exciting run, but it's one that's taken him away from being like you mentioned, favourites, one of the favourites to go down to a side now that's sitting in there and Everton fans maybe just talking they're going to have something better than what they expected. Yeah, yeah. it's and Going to Goodison is always like a really good litmus test for some of the players. I mean, the likes of Martinez and, like I said, Malassia, maybe he'll get a chance to, to come back in for that one. And, you know, Casemiro, it's a bit of a tighter pitch at Goodison, but you'd want to see Casemiro in there definitely now and seeing what he can do in combination with the likes of Ericsson and, you know, possibly Fernandez. But if you've got the security of Casemiro and Ericsson, then maybe that'll make Fernandez look a little bit more less wasteful than what he has been. And, you know, that, that forward dynamic as well has got to sort of um, get a, a good rhythm going so we know the players in there. But again, you've got Anthony at least stepping up to the plate. Um, it'll be a very interesting week for United and one that will be, back to discuss next Monday morning. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please give it a like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to give um, it a, a review and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. I really appreciate everyone for listening and watching this week. No, it's been a tough one. Uh, we still love United. Don't worry about that. It's just sometimes um, it, it's a little bit difficult to talk about it when it's a result like it was yesterday, but we, we stuck through it and hope you've enjoyed the, the watch and listen. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.